the incomparable. Number 172, December 2013. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And this week, we're going to be talking about holiday TV. For the last couple of years, we've had an episode where we've inducted films into what we've called the Incomparable Holiday TV Vault. It's sort of a conceptual vault where we place things we like, I guess. Although, the, by the sound of it, it also could be some place we lock away things we don't like and never want to see again. Anyway... Although that was the holiday movie vault, we did actually induct some TV in there. And last year's movie selections, we started to realize there aren't that many great holiday movies. So this year, we're going to induct some TV shows and put them in the vault, which is no longer the holiday movie vault. It is now the holiday movie and TV. And who knows what other things we might stick in that vault later when we run out of things to talk about. Anyway, so we're inducting some uh, holiday uh, TV that we like in our, uh, our little vault. It's a, it's it's red with green door. Our little vault has a bo- has a bow on top. Aww. yeah, <laughs> cute. So joining me to induct things into the vault uh, are three fine gentlemen. Uh, David Lohr, hello, welcome. Hello, I, I think tonight is a perfect definition of of the old saying: shows before ho ho hos. <laughs> wow, <laughs> thank you, thank you. I'm here all week. <laughs> Impressed heavily by that joke is Steve Lutz. Hi, Steve. <laughs> oh, I'm hugely impressed. Uh, and I'm pleased as punch to be here to stink up the holiday vault once again. Yes. Thank you. You keep it real. <laughs> you are the booby trap at the front. You're the false front of the vault that d- people don't look beyond what you pick for the true value that's in the back. And thank you. That's for that. right. That's right. And incidentally, was this was not the holiday movie vault initially, I would like to point out. As I was accused of cheating yes. during that first season when uh, when I selected a Charlie Brown Christmas, but in fact your email clearly stated that TV shows were eligible. So yeah, uh, so it shifted the, uh, a little the whole bit. Holiday was... movie vault thing is a bit of retconning. That yeah, I you're, think call, was... you're calling me on it. Well, now it's proven that it is not just on movie vault because the TV's stuff is in there. Uh, That's right. totally officially now. So I, I, right. you're right. I give in. It just just like I gave up on John Syracuse picking Han Solo from the Christmas spe- <laughs> Star Wars Christmas special. Somebody pick that. Go try to explain that one to me. It, it is my goal in life to try to make you give up. Yeah, Jason, it's the holiday special, and it aired for Thanksgiving, not Christmas. Well, this is the holiday vault, though, not the uh, Christmas vault. So who <laughs> knows right. what might happen? It was for Life Day. <laughs> Didn't somebody pick a, a Groundhog Day last year? It's a Some holiday. Wackadoo did, yes. Yes, indeed. And that was Monty <laughs> Ashley you heard there. Hi, Monty. Welcome. Hello. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Whatever holiday. Happy Life Day to all our Wookiee <laughs> listeners. Uh, I think we should all... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the way this is going to work is because at this point, every episode we do is just a draft. That's it. Pretty soon, <laughs> I'm just going to change the name of the podcast to Draft World. Just every <laughs> every week, another draft. What will we draft next? We don't know. Draftable. Drafting table draft? Yes, we'll do that. Uh, so, But, you know, this is we're going to go around and each of us will choose something and hopefully we'll not uh overlap on picks that's why the draft format works so well but of course if somebody picks something that you love feel free to talk about it because they don't get to like steal away all of the precious uh, uh love for that thing we can sh- we can share the love it's the holidays we're sharing the love just try to stop us we're gonna get started with monty well i'm not starting with a christmas episode because my favorite holiday episode of a television show is my favorite episode of any television show 
The series is WKRP in Cincinnati. Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'll cross that one off right now. <laughs> I didn't even put it on, just in case. Very early in their run, their seventh episode, they did Turkeys Away on the theme of Thanksgiving. And it is a great, great episode. Incredibly funny. And watching it now, which I did a couple of days ago, what you're really struck with, or I was anyway, is that the stars of the show were Lonnie Anderson and Howard Hessman as Jennifer and Dr. Johnny Fever. But they do very little in this episode. All the heavy lifting is done by Richard Sanders as Les Nessman. Mm -hmm. The key moments of the show when the turkeys are dropped from a helicopter and plummet to the ground like sacks of wet cement. As turkeys do. Uh, I assume so. <laughs> you only see through Les Nessman's eyes as he's describing them to you. Oh, the humanity. And it works so well. And it all builds to, I'm going to say, one of the best punchlines in television history. Mm. Sitcoms <laughs> rarely have the guts to just build to a final line that a character says, and then you end the show. But they did back in the 70s. And in fact, the end credits have already started running mm -hmm. when Gordon Jump, as Arthur Carlson, comes out and says, As God is as my God witness. As God is my witness, I thought turkeys I thought could turkeys fly. Could fly. I thought turkeys could fly. <laughs> it, it is one of the best sitcom. I don't know if it's my favorite WKRP, but it, it probably is. I love the episode where they where there's the bomb threat at the uh, remote transmitter and the phone yeah. cops are going to come oh, and yeah. get Johnny Fever. But but it, it is this episode is so great, and, and that last line is so perfect, and yet what I always forget when I watch it is the the right before it what happens, which is Les appears finally. Um, and it, is, it was it, as if they were organized. Is, is dazed and describes the turkey counterattack that right. happens after the helicopter has landed, <laughs> which gets short shrift. That is brilliant and so like hallucinatory in its brilliance. <laughs> it's great. Wow. Well, Monty, you win. Hooray for me. <laughs> we might as well just pack it up. Yeah, that's the definitive. Take that, holiday vault. That's right. The vault is full. The vault grew three sizes that day. Uh, that'll make up for the rest of my ridiculous picks. <laughs> All right. Uh, David, it's your turn. All right. One of my favorite holiday episodes of anything is from Homicide, Life on the Street. And oh, that's festive. It is. It really is. It's called All Through the Night. It's from the third season. I think it was the third season. And it starts off with a, a um, uh, sidewalk Santa Claus getting brutally murdered. So, you know. Oh, real, real up. excellent. And uh, Richard Belzer and Ned Beatty are the ones who catch that homicide. So they find out that this person, uh, apparently this, this man apparently has a son. So they, they go to tell the son. And when they, when they get to the, the guy's apartment, they find out the kid's all by himself. He's about 10 years old. And Ned Beatty says, we can't, we can't just do this. You know, we can't just tell him. This is this is wrong. This is Christmas Eve. Just you stay here with the kid. I'm going to go out and look into this. So he leaves Richard Belzer with this smart ass little 10 year old. And he goes off and investigates the case. And meanwhile, the kid is like, why are you here? What's going on? And, and Belzer, this is the last thing he wants to do on a good night, let alone Christmas Eve. And I mean, there are other stories that go in and out of the episode with the other characters but mainly the focus is on this this story 
And of course, by you know, it just keeps getting darker and darker because you think they're going to have to come to a point where they have to tell this kid his father's not coming home. And of course, you know, Belzer is getting more and more uncomfortable and just, you know, the longer this goes, it's like, where the hell is Ned Beatty? And finally, at the end of the episode, I mean, it's almost too good to believe Ned Beatty comes in with the guy's father and it turns out that the other, the, the murdered sidewalk Santa had stolen his wallet. And that's how they identified the guy was from the stolen oh, wallet. And they go, heartwarming. Ah, so it's a Christmas miracle. Somebody um, else's father is dead. Yeah. Did the boss have any kids? <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. He just wanted and, money uh, to buy his kid a little bicycle. <laughs> and the kid sold all of his bicycle gear to buy his father. No, that's a whole other thing. Well, and the best part is now that now the dad has his wallet back. That's right. Once it gets out of so. evidence. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just a wonderful, you know, just a dark-humored, twisted, bizarre Christmas story that winds up having a happy ending. Well, I didn't think you were going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see. We've had dead turkeys. We've had a dead Santa. Yeah, I, I, this is a dark... I take it back. This vault is not red with a green door. This is a black, black vault, as black as your hearts. Well, that's great, because Black <laughs> Christmas can't kill anything that's already dead. That's exactly right. All right, Steve, wow us oh with, with something. Uh, yeah, I don't know about the wowing part of that. but uh, <laughs> Well, when you pick something, I'm going to say wow. Yeah, well, your your mouth may open slightly. I don't know if wow will actually come out of it. I, I actually almost didn't join in this year's Holiday Vault uh, because I feel I perfected it in the last two years. Yeah. No, not, not really. Uh, actually, although I have seen a lot of holiday TV... Frankly, when I sat down and, and racked my brain to try to come up with one to induct, I, I couldn't really think of any that stood out other than the uh, the WKRP Thanksgiving episode, which I knew would already be taken by somebody else by the time I got to pick. So, And of course, I already used a Charlie Brown Christmas two years ago when uh, when we learned that I'm actually the only person, including yourself, who reads your emails. <laughs> um, yep. I thought about pulling out the Star Wars Holiday Special because that actually has become thoroughly enjoyable with the addition of the riff tracks, but I've already talked that up on more than one occasion, and, and frankly, I get, I'm getting sick of hearing about it. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, I almost opted out completely, and then I thought about it a bit, and I realized, oh, wait, there is one Christmas TV show I could mention that has some sentimental value to me, at, at least explicitly to me, although apparently not to anybody else on the planet. There have probably been, I don't know, probably been more televised adaptations of Dickens' Christmas Carol than any other story by a wide margin. I would guess there are probably hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah, probably hundreds. This, uh, this pick is definitely one of them. Oh. In uh, 1979, just one year after the aforementioned Star Wars holiday special, there were at least two TV movies based on A Christmas Carol. Uh, one of those was An American Christmas Carol. That's the one with Henry Winkler playing an American Depression-era Scrooge. Uh, mm. It was received fairly well, and in fact, it's, it's currently available for purchase on DVD. The other has been almost completely forgotten and is not available anywhere. Amazingly, not even on YouTube, where you can usually find everything that was televised and horrible. Uh, <laughs> but not in this case. Jason, I know, I know you like to play TV executive. Uh, yes. Let me run a pitch by you. All right. Lay it on me. All right. I don't, I don't have a lot of time. Go ahead. Here it comes. Uh, here's the idea. We take Dickens' Christmas Carol. I love it already. Keep uh -huh. going. 
It's it's good, right? I haven't read it, but I've seen many adaptations of it, and I love it. Keep going. Where's the cocaine? Well, well this this adaptation is musical, and uh, and all of the major characters will be played by big name country music stars from the late 1970s. Interesting. What do you think? Interesting. Keep well, that's, going. That's pretty much the pitch. That's uh, that's pretty much it. Well, if that's it, think? then I bought that. I'm, I'm uh, is is it the late 70s now? Uh, yes, it is. Yes. Well, then I say yes. Fantastic. Then uh, what if I just screen lit, Steve? You and somebody at NBC, uh, apparently, to my amazement, <laughs> both green lit my pick for this year's holiday vault. It is called Skin Flint colon, mm-hmm. A Country Christmas Carol. It features Hoyt Axton as Cyrus Flint, who is our countrified version of Scrooge. Uh, it has uh, stuttering Mel Tillis as country Bob Cratchit. Lynn Anderson is his wife. It has appearances by Larry Gatlin and Barbara Mandrell and Tom T. Hall and the Statler Brothers. It has famous character actors like uh, Martha Ray and Dave Madden, better known as Reuben Kincaid. And, uh, oh, yes, in the role of TJ, the country music version of Tiny Tim, <laughs> is a perky seven-year-old tot by the name of Stephen Lutz. <gasps> Nepotism. Yes. That's right. An, an odd <laughs> casting move, I think, to fill a semi-major role with somebody who can neither act nor sing. But yeah. That's traditional for Tiny Tim. <laughs> nor I is think. from the country, yeah. frankly. you got to figure these TV people know what they're doing, right? <laughs> that kid's going places. That's uh, right. Sure he is. Uh, yeah, it was produced and directed by the great Mark Daniels, who also directed episodes of, believe it or not, I Love Lucy, Gunsmoke, mm-hmm. Hogan's Heroes, Kung Fu, Alice... Uh, the Man from Atlantis, and perhaps most importantly, 15 episodes of Star Trek, the original series, including the Man Trap, Space Seed, and Spock's yeah, Brain. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to quote now from IMDb. I think you should. Which says, Ooh, a holiday reading. Which says, Stephen Lutz <laughs> is an actor known <laughs> for Skinflint, The Country Christmas Carol, 1979. Right. See full body. Damn right. You know, if they had put commercials in there, it would probably say Skeletor, but uh, that's that's not something IMDb covers just yet. Wow. Yep. And uh, believe it or not, Skinflint colon A Country Christmas Carol was even nominated for an Emmy for Outstanding Individual Achievement Dash Special Class for the technical director and camera operators. It well. did not, in fact, <laughs> Good camera operating, boys. It was created yeah. with special amounts of class. We got to come up with something nice to say about it. So have this. you have you not ever seen it or since it was on? Uh you know what? Uh for for the reasons of the existence of this show, that was when my parents bought the gigantic VCR uh that we used to tape it and I do in fact have it on videotape. I'm probably the only oh, person wow. to have it on videotape. Uh my understanding is it showed up on country music television maybe once about 15 years ago. But since then, it's effectively been buried. Uh, and given its sterling credentials, you might wonder why that is. <laughs> uh, and the answer is, it's 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 fairly terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I I remember watching it at the time. Do you do? Are you kidding me? Yeah. No, I'm serious. It made enough of an impression on you that you recall. Well, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan of that one Gatlin. The kid who plays Tiny Tim is great. Apparently. He, good. he, he had a big impression on me. No, I, I still remember the full-page uh, ad and TV guide. Oh, yes. There was a really creepy black-and-white image, uh, some sort of artist's rendering of me in that full-page yeah. oh. ad. 
<laughs> it's terrifying. I remember the creepy Hoyt Axton, but yeah, of course, there would be a creepy Tiny Tim, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm down in the corner. I look like I'm about to cry. It's wonderful. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I watched that because my, my grandparents, we, we lived with my grandparents at the time, and my grandfather loved country music. So Love that country music. You know, the old Saturday people, night love was it. always like Marty Robbins and Pop Goes the Country and Hee Haw. And so, yeah, country version of Christmas Carol, fire it up. Oh, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, get that thing on the TV yeah. right now. And then get it off immediately. Hey, what's going on? Ah, I'll play with my Star Trek dolls. Okay. Wow, that's yeah. am- it's amazing to me that you actually remember that because I, I you may be the first uh, <laughs> that, that has said that since, I think, 1978 itself. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not the worst thing ever. It's certainly not. Oh, it doesn't yeah. rise to the level of awfuldom that uh, that the Star Wars Holiday Special did. <laughs> but the dialogue is is pretty cheesy. I mean, the songs are pleasant enough, but it's not the kind of stuff you find yourself singing in the shower afterwards. Uh, obviously, almost nobody in the lead roles, other than Hoyt Axton, had done any acting, and, and oh, does it show. <laughs> Actually, I think they might have hired me to make the other actors look somewhat competent by comparison. And it's filmed on that same stock that they use for soap operas. So even as the opening credits roll, it's blatantly obvious that this is a really cheaply made TV movie. Mm, but it, yeah. it was a pretty cool experience for me. I, my parents listened to mostly country music, and I knew who most of these guys were. And almost all of them turned out to be really super nice, down-to-earth people who, you know, they, they were just all good folk. Good country folk. Good. Except for the people you're now going to list and describe their misdeeds. <laughs> no, I would never do such a thing. Let Hoyt Axton rest in peace. Actually, there's only only one person with whom I had a minor run in as as a seven year old. Uh, so you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into great detail, but suffice right. it to say that uh, that some people who may or may not have played my mom were somewhat prima donna esque, which mm. is kind of a pity because I always <laughs> really liked her music. But what are you gonna do? So mm. what we're saying is, call, write, email Country Music TV and demand. That they order a Blu-ray remastered HD ready-to-go rerun version of Skin Flint to play. Yes, this let's get the season. massive the massive audience muscle of the incomparable behind this thing, and ensure that that my shame can be broadcast to millions of people once again. Or Steve, you should just you know post that stuff on YouTube. Uh, you know, I've given that some thought, and I have absolutely no idea who I would actually request the rights to do so to. Oh, don't request the rights. YouTube, YouTube <laughs> copyright doesn't count on YouTube. Don't you know that? Uh, I'm just, yeah, I've heard something along those lines. I just fear that I would spend some, some effort to, uh, <laughs> to convert it to a digital format only to have it wiped from right. existence almost immediately. But at some point, it may, it may actually have to happen. Um. But yeah, in some ways, it's a pity that it's never resurfaced because it, it does feature one of my proudest uh, kiddom moments, which is that in the final scene where uh, the whole group is eating Christmas dinner at Flint's nephew's house and everyone was told to ad-lib dinner conversation, we all, we all had some sort of food item in front of us so that we could actually eat during moments when we were not supposed to talk. And uh, my item was this little bowl of fruit cocktail. And uh, during one of the many, many, many takes of that scene, because remember, these were not actors that I was working with, uh, myself least of all, uh, I noticed something odd floating in my bowl of fruit cocktail. So I exclaimed in my squeaky, high-pitched, seven-year-old voice, hey, I think there's a booger in my fruit cocktail. (laughs) 
Guess which take they used. Wow. <laughs> you can hear it. It's pretty clear. If you know what to listen for, you can hear, hey, I think there's a booger in my fruit cocktail, which raised the, the rating of this TV movie at least up to the PG. Well, that's the clip you're going to have to post on YouTube. <laughs> It'll get there someday, right. but uh, for now, you'll just have to imagine its wonders. You've been listening to Inside the Actors Studio. <laughs> With Stephen Lutz. Uh, believe me, I'm not glenning when I bring this up. <laughs> if anything, I should be hiding this. <laughs> so, Skin Flint, A Country Christmas Carol. Skin Flint, in the colon, vault. A yeah. Country Christmas Carol. In the vault. <laughs> Do not omit the colon. Clink, clink. It's in the vault now. <laughs> Thank God it's in the vault. Yes, yeah, so now where it can never hurt anybody. Um... All right, I am going to go next, and I want to ask you fellows, where were you in 1989? You know where we were. Um, Steve, Monty, you were at the University of California at San Diego, no? UCSD, I'm pretty sure. So here's the thing. In 1989, there was a, a an animated Christmas special that aired on Fox. Now, this happened because, although it was just an episode of a new TV series that the fledgling Fox TV <laughs> network uh, had ordered... Mm-hmm. They they decided not to air it in the fall, or the episodes weren't ready in the fall, and yet one of the episodes was a Christmas episode, so they had to pull it ahead and broadcast it at Christmas time, even though the series itself wouldn't premiere until early uh, of 1990. This ancient history is only relevant because this is the first episode of a TV show that is still on the air today. It's The Simpsons Roasting on an Open Fire episode of the simpsons the first to air uh it's why their dog is called santa's little helper and although it's not in fact as a first season simpsons episode it's quite primitive in many ways and it is sort of in the middle of a transitional form between the very weird and strange tracy ullman version of the simpsons and the uh more refined uh on model version of the simpsons that emerged after a couple of years um there's a lot i remember watching it when it was on there's a lot to credit it it's a lot of fun and a lot of the aspects of the simpsons are already there uh homer learns a lesson they adopt the they adopt their dog um and uh you know it started something that continues with you know whatever 500 episodes later and i think that makes it uh, particularly notable too i do not appear in it in any way by the way i'm not in it, I was just a college student. As, as far as you know, the show is still on. You know, and the, the, one of the things I like about uh, Simpsons roasting on an open fire, and this actually was the only other one that I considered for uh, for mention because it's the only one I could remember, yeah. um, is that it it has that same kind of feel that all of first season Simpsons does, where it's really almost more of a it's almost more of a standard sitcom. It's a family sitcom, ways. absolutely, but, but not not really in you know in, in conventional ways. And but it but it always it still has some uh, sort of a sentimental feel to it, which you I think from second season on it was it was rare to have that sort of you know Homer isn't a complete a hole at all times. He is occasionally a loving father, and that, that's I always kind of liked that aspect to early Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, me yeah. too. The show has gone through many different forms in, yeah. <laughs> since then. I mean, but... in, in here, Homer, you know, he's he's obviously a complete screw up, but he's trying to do the right thing, and mm-hmm. you know, he just he isn't capable of it. <laughs> well, and it has it has a sweetness to it that I think the show yes. has always had. That it, it's tried to mix that it isn't completely uh, cynical with its characters. They 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 do try to come back to some sort of 
center of those characters by the end of an episode, even as wacky as some other episodes have will sometimes get. So, yeah, I'm throwing it in the vault. There it goes. It's in there. Looks good in there. Clang. Hey, I, oh, damn, I missed the vault. Let me try again. <laughs> All right, now it's in there. Time for a break between rounds to talk about our first sponsor on this episode. It's a returning sponsor. It's lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com. What is lynda.com? Super high-quality training. It uses videos and writing to teach you how to use technology better. It's got lots of great stuff. Adobe Creative Suite, programming languages, including Java and Objective-C. It's got web development. It's got graphics. It's got audio production. In fact, Logic Pro is what I use to edit every episode of The Incomparable. And I'm basically self-taught. I came from GarageBand. I kind of have figured out how to use it. It's made me way more productive, but I have so much to learn. I'm not scratching the surface. So one of the things I'm doing at lynda.com is I'm taking the courses from the experts, the experts at audio production, the experts at Logic Pro, and I'm learning all of these great new techniques to make the podcast sound better. The next time we do a radio drama, I'm going to have learned so much about audio editing that I didn't know when we did our first radio drama episode. All on lynda.com. And what's great about it is they've got more than 2,000 of these high-quality video courses, all taught by the experts. They add courses every day, but you pay one monthly fee, $25 gets you access to the entire library. And a lot of people are doing this. There are more than 2 million people worldwide who are getting their training from lynda.com. So I'm enjoying it. I already did some iPad podcast stuff. I'm going to move on to another area I know nothing about, which is audio editing on my Mac. But they've also got stuff about business skills. They've got Microsoft Office. Like I said, they have the Creative Suite. They've got hobby information like Get a professional photographer to give you photo-taking tips or video tips. It's all in there, and you can watch from your computer. You can watch on your phone. You can watch on your tablet. You can watch pretty much anywhere and learn from the experts. So here's the deal. Incomparable listeners get to try out lynda.com for free. And this isn't free with like a couple of things. This is a free trial with access to the entire library of lynda.com. Here's what you have to do. You have to go. Open up your little web browser that you've got. Are you aware of web browsers? I think you are. And then in that little part where you type where you want to go, this is what you type. Lynda.com. L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash incomparable. That tells them that you came from us. That's good for us. But that will also get you the deal, the free trial where you have access to all 2,000 plus video courses from lynda.com. So go to lynda.com, L-Y-N-D-A.com slash incomparable to start your free trial today. And thank you very much to lynda.com, both for teaching me things about logic that I didn't know and for sponsoring the incomparable. Okay, Monty, you, you stole the best one. What are you going to do for a follow-up? Uh, well, I had a list prepared, but Steve's entry reminded me of a Great experience I had. We're off the map, people. Sweet Jesus. So it's 1979. Uh, Steve, you are an HBO executive. Okay. I come Uh to you. I I tell you. Does it have boobs? uh, No. (laughs) Then it's not on. Sorry. (laughs) I want to do an adaptation of The Christmas Carol. Does it have boobs? No. (laughs) But here's what it does have. Okay. W.C. Fields as Ebenezer Scrooge. Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit. Ah, uh, yes. You okay, got I'm yourself listening. Johnny Carson, Richard Nixon, Humphrey Bogart, Groucho Marx, Columbo, Edith Bunker, 
Jack Benny, Inspector Clouseau, they're all in this. And you only have to pay one guy. Really? Because I'm talking about Rich Little's Christmas Carol. A one-man <laughs> yep. performance. <laughs> yep. Uh, Which I remember wow. vividly. He would have to run out the door and then run in another door, desperately putting on another wig or something. It's everything you are imagining when I say Rich Little Christmas Carol <laughs> with him doing Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit. Wow. I'm, I'm having flashbacks for, as we speak. So it's just him standing there in various wigs and then running backstage periodically? Oh, no, it's it's edited together with, you know, he's in costumes. and Yeah, he's in costume, but, like, he'll jump back and forth to do the different parts. He'll right. be W.C. Fields as Ebenezer Scrooge yelling, and then he'll jump to another part of the stage and turn around, and he's... Paul Lind as Bob Cratchit talking back, and then Richard Nixon as Jacob Marley appears as the ghost. Okay. And so they don't they don't use some sort of terrible split screen effect where he's standing next to himself doing all this. He's actually jumping back and forth. Yeah, as I remember okay. it, there were no special effects except the magic of his voice. Ah, which if you ever watch some Rich Little on YouTube, is really really unimpressive. <laughs> 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 well, also, yes, impressions not really made to be watched. He's a boring-looking guy. But he didn't do the voices as well as you remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, by the way, the tiny Tim in this production was him doing Truman Capote. Classic. <laughs> <laughs> so there's my late 70s Christmas Carol adaptation for The Vault. Thanks, Monty. So it turns out there are no good TV shows about holidays either. I, I have some decent ones. but I did too, yeah. but I threw it out so I could right. rush this in in case Steve had it queued up for a second round pick. Well, <laughs> well done, Monty. Well done. That'll, that'll provide some, again, some good security at the front of the vault. Um, David, what do you have? Well, um, let's see. I'm trying to remember which year it would be. Uh, 1990. Ooh, I thought you were going to say 1979. 1990, Ooh. you're a CBS executive. Someone comes to you and says, hey, I want to set a show in the middle of nowhere with nobody you've ever heard of. And it's about a guy who wants to leave that place as soon as he can. Can we shoot it in eastern Washington? Possibly. <laughs> and he's not a God, cop. We could start our own network with all these great ideas. <laughs> A terrible, terrible network. We all work for different <laughs> hypothetical networks. We'll never get together on this. That's true. Anyway, um, that would be Northern Exposure, about yes. a doctor from New York City who, to repay his medical school bills, winds up in this little town in Alaska. And it was on for two summers of, I think, eight episodes each, and, you know, barely getting any ratings, but they finally said, ah, let's bring it back. It's, you know, people like it. So in their first full series, or first full season, they did, they finally got to do a Christmas episode called Soulmates. And it's spelled soul as in Korea. Because the yep. one character, uh, Maurice Minifield, former astronaut and town mogul, uh, is lamenting the fact that he's alone. He's like, you know, this is a horrible holiday. Yeah, have you ever noticed that suicide rates go up at Christmas time? You know, and it's horrible because it's just everyone makes you feel bad for being alone. And you know what? I like being alone. Darn it. And all of a sudden, this uh, family from Korea shows up 
and it turns out to be the woman he had an affair with and her son and the grandson who is the only one who speaks English. So he's the interpreter for them. And Maurice is horribly uncomfortable with all of this. And um, at the same time, the town is getting ready for their, their celebration of the, the holiday, but it's the Raven Festival. And so everything is all ravens and darkness, and Chris in the morning is reading Edgar Allan Poe on the radio. And, um, you know, and finally Shelley, the waitress at the bar where everybody hangs out, uh, who's kind of an innocent, she's still a young girl, and she's she's uh, here because she fell in love with the, the owner of the bar and moved in with him and then married him. And she says, you know, this I, I, I miss Christmas. This isn't Christmas. It's very nice. I like ravens and all that. Uh, and it's not even that I miss church. I just, I miss the songs. I miss Christmas. You know, this just isn't an old-fashioned Charlie Brown Christmas, you know? And so they managed to balance the celebration of the Christmas and, and a more traditional holiday for her with the Raven Festival and the Native Americans in Alaska. And it's it's a, it's a, just a lovely balance of all these stories. And you go, wow, there's more than one festival going on. Huh. And that's one of the things I loved about that season of Northern Exposure. It kind of went way downhill the next season, but... That third, the the first two seasons and then that first full season are just beautiful. I love that show. I always we I I watched that show when it was on. I I I discovered that because it was it was was it two summer short runs? Yeah, yeah, two yeah. summers in a row of like eight episodes. Yep. Yeah, that's I discovered it at, at that point, and then uh, yeah, that was a that was a fun show, a fun quirky hour, the rare your rare hour long comedy, basically dramedy thing. When I moved to Seattle, I made a point of stopping off in Roslyn, which is where they oh, shot all the exteriors yeah. for that. If you remember Roslyn's Cafe? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That's actually the Roslyn Cafe. <laughs> the TV show just drew an apostrophe S on it and made up a story <laughs> about somebody named Roslyn founding it. Oh, man, I missed that show. That was a good show. Yeah. Good one. Good one. I haven't thought about that Thank in a you. long time. So. Thank you. Thumbs up. The, so, so far, the common thread is TV shows that I wrote spec scripts for. Uh. So, <laughs> <All right. laughs> how many of those uh, do we have exactly, David? Well, let's see. There's all the next generation ones. No, 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 uh, no, no. Yeah, let's not go there. Steve, what do you have next? Uh, I you top know, skin I'm... flint. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm at a loss. I literally don't have anything except. <laughs> <laughs> so skin flint round two. <laughs> skin flint colon a country christmas carol uh our previous uh holiday vault episodes we uh we talked for kind of a long time on each of these and we each only got one uh, one item and uh oh no i actually i actually came up with something okay, on okay. the fly but I, i'm not really prepared to say anything much about it other than that it's awesome okay and uh and uh you know i i could talk about a charlie brown christmas again but that would be that would be it's already in the vault it's already in the vault. It it is the definitive holiday TV special. It is put there by myself. Yes. Uh, so instead, I will bring up the great uh, Dr. Seuss's "How the Grinch Stole Christmas," the 1966 yes. animated television special, animated by Chuck Jones. There's really no getting around the fact that Chuck Jones animated this. No it's, way. it's a Bugs Bunny <laughs> cartoon with. 
with Dr. Mm. Seuss characters inserted. With those mid-60s Chuck Jones eyebrows on everyone. That's right. It yeah. is, of course, the retelling of the, uh, the children's book by Dr. Seuss, where the Grinch uh, forces his dog, Max, to take him into Whoville and steal away all of the Christmas presents and the trees, uh, and, oh, exclusively because he just hates the Who's and can't stand all of their Christmas <laughs> I know how he feels. I, you know what? I do, too, especially when they bust out that Yahoo Dore song. Yeah, I've lived next to noisy neighbors who sing all the time. It is annoying. Yeah, and that's a particularly <laughs> cloying song, I, I feel. Uh, unlike the excellent You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch, performed by Thurl mm. Ravenscroft, which Thurl is Ravenscroft, yes. magnificent. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, good music, uh, quality animation, a good story, kind of a sweet, the meaning of Christmas isn't really consumerism ending. Uh, I think it was a requirement for all 1960s mm-hmm. TV specials. Yes, brought to you by Tide. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> In fact, if was the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas actually sponsored by Coke or something? I believe it was. Something like that. Yeah. You're a hypocrite, Charlie Brown. <laughs> anyway. Even my sponsor's gone commercial. Arg. But uh, yeah, it's the Grinch. Uh, it's a classic. It it's is a classic. It's one of the very few... Um, holiday or well, Christmas TV shows that is considered a classic that I think legitimately deserves it. Uh, unlike some I could mention rank and pass. Um, yeah. Which may or may not be mentioned here later, but uh, yeah, mm. it's the Grinch. You gotta love the Grinch. Yep. You gotta love the fact that everybody knows the Grinch and I don't really have to say much about it. You're right. I love that especially. Yes. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> all right. Here's my selection. Reminded of this over Thanksgiving when they live streamed uh, the Turkey Day Marathon for Mystery Science Theater 3000. I haven't watched, you know, much Mystery Science Theater 3000 since it went went off the air, even though I loved it so. And um, it actually, the live stream ended with a reprise of a Patrick Swayze Christmas. So I have to, I have to pick Mm. the Santa Claus Conquers the Martians episode of Mystery Science Theater 3000. It is funny. It's got that great Patrick Swayze Christmas song in it, and uh, it it's a great. I mean, it's a great set of riffs too. It's a great Christmassy uh, MST3K. So I I love it, and it's a it's a winner. So I pick it. It has Pia Zadora as a little little girl, as a <laughs> small girl. child of Pia Zadora, yeah, and featuring Droppo. <laughs> it's so rife for riffing. They did a whole new set of riffs mm. for riff tracks. And Cinematic Titanic did it, too. I have a novelization of Santa Claus Conquers the Martians that was written decades later. It's very strange, and I don't wow. know why it exists. Was it post-MST? Yeah. It must be. Well, I that's think why so. it exists. It, <laughs> it would not exist were yeah. not for MST. <laughs> it printed in green ink and came with a DVD of the movie in case you wanted to, I don't know, watch it while you read it so you can experience it through two ways at once. <laughs> I, I always felt bad when I watched it because the the uh, the actor who played Droppo, I had seen him <laughs> on Broadway. He was the guy who sort of came in when Mr. Hooper passed away on Sesame Street, so he took over the store. And I was like, oh, I have all this association with him, and now, oh dear God, what did he do? It's <laughs> like, but you got to get a paycheck when you're uh, when you're young. They couldn't have been giving out big paychecks on this movie. No, no, it's a spectacularly bad movie. Originally, Buddy Ebsen was supposed to be in that part, but he was allergic to the green paint. 
The Hooray for Santa Claus song does oh, stick in God. <laughs> Check it out. They, they're making clear. You spell it S-A-N-T-A-C-L-A-U-S. Right, but it's pronounced Throat Warbler Mangrove. <laughs> no, it's pronounced Santa Claus, apparently. Santa Claus. Hooray for Santa Claus. Yeah, pretty dreadful. But a great riff. Great yeah, riff. Great episode. Yep. MST did a few Christmas-based episodes, if, as, as I recall. Well, yes, there was also the one called There's Santa Claus, where Santa, Santa Claus, Claus fights the devil. Yeah, that's oh, right. Santa versus that's old a, scratch. That's the one yeah. where Gypsy gives Mike a sweater that says Joiky on it, because he started <laughs> sewing it under the other guy. So it was like J-O-I-K-E. Yeah. Oh, man. What a great mm, show. No, actually, yeah. the Turkey Day streaming uh, has made me want to go back and and watch more uh episodes again and although i do have i think uh, i think we all maybe admitted that i that we have some vhs uh copies of like literally stick in tape on the turkey day marathon press record walk away let the tape fill um i definitely have those somewhere but i don't even i i and i have a vcr somewhere i don't know where fortunately amazon has episode streaming so I'm gonna... yeah they have a lot and yeah netflix still has a couple yeah but they're 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 and, gone away yeah. yeah there's a bunch on youtube of i don't know yeah if they're yeah. supposed to be there but they're right there like it said in the credits keep circulating the tubes or <laughs> something like that yeah well that that's why we we kept watching after after they finished the streaming the other day so then we watched the day the earth froze which is just on yeah. youtube after seeing the ads for it all day, buy the 25th anniversary set to get this hard to find, impossible to watch. You know, it's only here. Well, we watched it 10 minutes later. It's all right. Yep. Um, and then we just been watching all weekend. All right. Another round in the books. Let's get back to it in just a minute. But first, I want to tell you about our second sponsor on this edition of The Incomparable. It's HostGator returning once again. Let me explain HostGator to you. HostGator is a place you go if you want to start a website. It's one of the premier web hosting providers out there, and it can help you get started. They have monthly hosting plans. They have what are called one-click installs. What does this mean? It's uh, You're running web software. Let's say WordPress. They've got a one-click WordPress install. You would have to download the software and get it installed yourself in Unix, do a little command line, typey, typey, typey stuff. Not at HostGator. At HostGator, you click on the button that says Install This. They do all the work for you. It's automatically installed, and you can get on to configuring the rest of your server. Lots of other features they've got, too. All of it geared toward making your site get up and running as quickly as possible, because you don't want to mess around with this stuff. This is not supposed to be an adventure. You want to get something done. You want to get a website up and running, and HostGator can make it easy. Now, if you are a more advanced user and you want to do some of those typey-typey things, or you're a business, HostGator's got you covered. They've got reseller plans, they've got VPS, they've got dedicated servers available, and they guarantee 99.9% uptime, no matter who you are, big or small, your uptime guaranteed, 99.9%. Now, when you host with HostGator, you also get unlimited disk space and unlimited bandwidth, so you're not going to get charged overages if your site becomes very popular. The free site builder tools are super easy to use, and if you need extra help, there's 24-7 tech support to make sure everything is running smoothly. So here's what you do. Go to HostGator.com, H-O-S-T-G-A-T-O-R, HostGator.com, to learn more. And when you decide to buy, you've got to use our special coupon code, SNELLSENTME12, S-N-E-L-L-S-E-N-T-M-E-1-2. Snell sent me 12. And what will you get if you put in Snell sent me 12? Well, 
they'll know that you came from the incomparable and you'll get 30% off of everything you buy at hostgator.com. Great deal. So thank you to hostgator.com for sponsoring the incomparable. All right. Time for the uh, the lightning round of inductions. The lightning round. Monty, give us another one. Uh, 30 Rock, season six, Leap Day. Essentially, the premise here is that Liz Lemon has been out of town every four years, so she never learned that everybody else celebrates Leap Day as a full holiday. Yes. And the best thing about this episode is that you see clips of a fictional movie called Leap Dave Williams, which (laughs) absolutely perfectly stars Jim Carrey and Andy McDowell. And you see clips of Jim Carrey turning into Leap Dave William because he has the same name. And that movie is everything that would exist if Leap Day were an actual holiday (laughs) instead of just a quirk of the Gregorian calendar. That is a great episode. That is one of my very favorite 30 Rock episodes, in fact, because it's so absurd and yet it goes with that premise to the fullest extent possible. And at the very end, you actually see Leap Dave William as he gives heartfelt advice to someone, Tracy probably, and then looks (laughs) at the camera and opens his pointy teeth and lunges for the audience. <laughs> right, because Leap Day William is the uh, is the Santa Claus of Leap Day. Yes, he has gills, and he gives out candy in exchange for children's tears. <laughs> and he's played by John Cullum from Northern Exposure. Oh, yes, good point. Wow. Which was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> he played Marley in Skin Flint. No, he but what if? That was actually Tom T. Hall, the great storyteller. <laughs> Indeed. That's who the great storyteller is all this time? Turns out. Yeah. Did you not wow. know? Turns out. I didn't. The great storyteller. Go figure. He's good. All right, David, what do you have? I've got the one Twilight Zone that I watch every year at <laughs> Christmas time, Night of the Meat. I'll cross that one off my list. Good job. Where <laughs> Art Carney as an alcoholic department store Santa who's uh is there any other kind well seriously um and he's killing time in a bar of course and he comes across this uh uh, sack in the alley between the bar and the department store and he I, i forget how exactly he discovers that it's full of gifts and he starts handing out gifts to all the children that come in, come come up to him, and uh, of course, a, a policeman assumes that he has stolen all of this from the department store, and he calls in the the former boss from the department store, and uh, it turns out that anyone else who reaches into this sack full of gifts pulls out a tin can. There's nothing but tin cans. Only Art Carney can pull out gifts, and it's always a gift. Doesn't like a cat emerge from it at some point? A cat? Well, the, yeah, John Fiedler, who's who's the the, the boss from the department store was Mr. Peterson from Bob Newhart and Piglet from Winnie the Pooh and Red Jack from Star Trek. Uh, he reaches in and he's like, let me see this. And he pulls out a cat ass backwards and freaks out. And the cat didn't look too happy either. <laughs> and, um, you know, and finally he says, you know, well, I, you know, fine. If you can pull out anything that I want, I want this specially aged uh, bottle of brandy. And sure enough, he pulls out a bottle of brandy and there he goes. And it's always the the one gift that each person wants most in the world. And at the very end, and and he's thinking, okay, this is just weird and I'm drunk and I, you know, I don't know what's going on. And 
it turns out that the one gift that he always wanted was to be Santa Claus. And the bag gave him, gave him that gift, and he flies away on a sleigh. And it's it's heartwarming in a way that the Twilight Zone didn't always succeed at. <laughs> they tried so, frequently, but yeah. They rarely, tried a lot. Rarely oh, wow. did it work out as well as it does in this episode. Yeah. Remade by the... 1985 right. Twilight Zone series with Richard Mulligan as as uh, as Corwin in the Eric Hardy part, and of course the the store owner William Atherton. <laughs> William Atherton. You know what? Yeah. I love me some Richard Mulligan, but at the same time, I just I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing him as a substitute for Art Carney. It did not work. But William Atherton as the as the store owner that is solid. Well, he was yeah. Atherton's was... solid in everything. Yes. That, yeah. that, and that episode was directed by Martha Coolidge, who directed Real Genius, directed William Atherton in Real Genius. Because it all uh-huh. comes back to Real Genius, doesn't it? Yeah. All right, Night of the Meek. That's a great one. Rod Serling. That is a great one. I wish I thought of it. Yes. <laughs> no, Steve, you're supposed to say, damn, that was on my list. I was going to give that one. Now I don't know what I'm going to choose, but it's your turn. So what do you have for us? You know what? The, the relief that has that, the, just the great weight that has been lifted from my soul just talking about Skinflint colon a country Christmas carol. <laughs> it's like everything just kind of rolls off my back right now. The fact that I didn't pick anything else, you know, I, I didn't prepare anything else besides <laughs> that. I just don't even care. It's all good, man. You're putting a really impressive amount of effort into plugging this thing that nobody else has <laughs> any way of ever no. seeing. It's true. That's the best part. Nobody can ever see it. I could I could make up, I could say there's like dragons in it or something. <laughs> Somewhere on the internet, somebody's like, dang, did you hear about that that country music holiday special where there's dragons? It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that's how Mal Tullis got his stutter. The desolation of skin flint. All right, if I must pick something. <clears throat> December 1985, a month that will live in infamy. That's the, that's the month the uh, remake of Night of the Meek aired. Well, during that month, uh, something even better aired on television, not featuring William Atherton, but featuring a uh, a far... More wonderful uh, uh, character by the name of Skeletor. I'm speaking, of course, of <laughs> He-Man and She-Ra: Colon, a Christmas special. <laughs> Steve Lutz likes colons. I got to be honest. I- I've never actually seen this. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't see it in 1985. Uh, did not see it when it was released on DVD, and uh, to the state, still have not watched He-Man and She-Ra, a Christmas special. I really, I never really got into the cartoon, as it happens. But uh, I loves me some Skeletor. <laughs> Why is that, Steve? And I have a feeling he makes an appearance. Oh, yes, he does. According to Wikipedia, he does. One can only hope he wears a Santa hat at some point over his purple hood. He sets off the entire plot, I think. Really? Imagine that. Yeah. He's always making trouble, Skeletor. Yeah, I, I think Orko probably features prominently too, which is a bit sad, but, you know, Skeletor, he can overcome. <laughs> yeah, Orko's no good. Skeletor can do it all. He can do Christmas specials. He's a song and dance man, really. He's he's the best. Yep. And uh, so I hereby pick a show that I have never <laughs> seen and probably will never see, He-Man and She-Ra, colon, a Christmas special. It's in the vault. You know, uh, I recommend it, that's, even though I haven't seen it. That's two colons you put in the vault. Yeah, it's true. Um, I'm going to put, wow, how can I follow that choice? Woo! <laughs> With practically anything, With practically I think. anything. All right, so 
uh, every year since 2005, uh, the BBC has done a Doctor Who Christmas special. Um, they range from being, uh, well, most of them are only tangentially related to Christmas. Like they'll say, hey, it's Christmas. Look over there, an alien. And then the Christmas sort of falls away <laughs> and it's not important anymore because it's very hard to come up with science fictional premises that also legitimately involve Christmas. Well, here I am on the Victorian set again. It must be Christmas. It must be Christmas. <laughs> Oh, and look, there's Dickens. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here, so here's the one that where I think they nailed the Christmas, uh, the, the the Christmas episode. Um, it was, uh, I, th- I think, Stephen Moffat's first Christmas episode. It's called A Christmas Carol, of course, and it uses the time travel mechanics of Doctor Who to cause the uh, ghosts of Christmas past, present, and future to be uh, manifestations involving time travel around this very angry man played by Michael Gambon, in, uh, who does a great job, uh, who is he, a very grumpy, Scrooge-like fellow. And, um, and he is standing in the way of the, of, of the doctor saving his friends. And uh, the doctor has a moment where he says, hey, I know how I can solve this. A Christmas carol. I can do that. And so then, so it's all out in the open. Um, I'm going to do this. I'm going to use my time machine to show you yourself in the past and the present and the future. Uh, and so it's a very fun uh, jumping around between the different timelines. And the and the very best part is when um, he brings uh, he brings the old man's younger self, and they come into and they come into contact with each other. And the old man says. I know what you're doing. You're bringing me my, uh, you know, this is the ghost of Christmas past. And, uh, you know, you think I'm going to change my ways, but it won't work. And the doctor says, no, I'm showing you to him. (laughs) So Mm. he'll be horrified with what he becomes and change his ways. And then he takes him back into the time machine. Great. Very great uh, stuff. And so although I, I enjoy the Dr. Christmas specials for what they are, this one, extra Christmassy. Uh, extra good and there's even a, a couple of funny star trek jokes that are that are made uh <laughs> in passing uh complete with lens flares actually so it's actually pretty pretty funny um so uh, good one is this the episode with the cgi flying sharks it is yes it is there okay. are, there are sharks <laughs> and other fish that that swim in the air and uh and and they end up i think the the episode ends with a flying shark hitched to a carriage flying through the sky Mm-hmm. This was pre-Sharknado, right? Just so I know who yes. ripped off who. Pre-Sharknado. Yes. Wow. These are space sharks, though. They're flying space, space sharks. sharks. Oh, okay. One expects them to fly through the air. You can remember what the world was like before Sharknado. <laughs> uh, that's it the world that vision. this was created. I can't believe we didn't put Sharknado. Sharknado. Sharknado should be in the Holiday Vault, even though it isn't holiday-related in any way. I can't believe we missed it. <laughs> oh, well, maybe Sharknado 2 will be holiday-themed. We'll maybe. We'll have to find out. Yes, flying sharks. You're right, Monty. It also, in addition to time travel... It had flying sharks and and a subplot involving a a singer who was cast as a character and she has to sing to save the world in the end and that wasn't as good but the stuff with uh, Michael Gambon is really great and there's a flying shark so what more do you want Michael Gambon flying sharks check check yeah I'm good done done set Star Trek jokes yep oh wow that's just frosting at this point it is <laughs> before we get to the final round one extra thing not a sponsor instead. It's a giveaway. Yes, it's the incomparable holiday giveaway. And here's the deal. Go to 5x5.tv slash contact and send the incomparable a message. 
and say that you want to enter the giveaway. That's all you have to do. Make sure you've got your email address in there. Here is what you'll win. You will have the option of getting an incomparable Zeppelin t-shirt in size large or extra large. Those are your only options. And along with that, you will get the Warner Archive Classic TV Christmas Collection. This includes Christmas episodes of such shows as Dr. Kildare, Alice, Chips, Eight is Enough. I believe that's a two-part episode. Welcome back, Cotter, and much more. So if you're a fan of good or bad holiday TV and Zeppelin t-shirts and you want to enter, go to 5x5.tv slash contact, choose the incomparable, send us a message saying you want to enter the contest, and we will pick one random person. Enter by December 20th to be considered. All right, uh, so that that we've we've inducted an interesting array of things <laughs> um, in this vault, this bulging uh, vault that has now many many uh, many different parts. I wanted to ask before we went if anybody had any extras. I know Steve doesn't. Uh, I do not extras no. that you want to mention that didn't make it in your in your list, but that you'd like to give a shout out to. This would be the time. I do. Uh, in my haste to rush the rich little Christmas Carol. <laughs> Onto my You're list. regretting that now? I unfortunately had to bump the episode of The Muppet Show with Vincent Price, uh, which is a great uh, Halloween yeah. show. Yep. Yeah. That's a good one. I I was thinking of uh, episodes of The West Wing and yeah, I have Sports Shibboleth Night. Or uh, I, I have Shibboleth down the Thanksgiving. One mm, of the two yeah. Thanksgiving episodes of West Wing. is a, That's a yeah. good one. Um, I was thinking of the, the Dragnet christmas episode that they they loved it so many so much they did it like twice on the radio they did it like two or three times in the tv show uh, where it's the the uh the local church calls up joe friday and says our our the baby jesus from our nativity is missing and they they go all over the place looking for the thing and it turns out that, that a little boy took the baby jesus in his red wagon to take him around the town and show him around because he must have a really boring life just sitting there in the church and it's you know it's a heartwarming thing it was like my father's favorite Christmas thing when he was a child. So, you know, because they kept showing it every year. And um, I, was, I was thinking there's an episode of Nothing Sacred, which is, imp- again, like Skinflint, impossible yes, uh, to uh, unable see to anywhere. Be seen. Yeah. Uh, which is a. Oh, that was Although a people are show. probably actually sad about that one. Yeah, well, you know, actually, I, I don't know if it's still there, but the entire series showed up on YouTube, speaking of copyright issues. Um, so I managed to suck them all down. I don't know if they're still there, but I got them before they vanished because, you know. Um, but it, 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 too, is a lovely episode. It's, it was a show set in the Catholic Church, and the priest on, on Christmas Eve opens up the church as a sanctuary for this uh, family of refugees, and he gets in horrible trouble, and he gets arrested, and it's sort of all the chaos that goes horribly wrong by the, by the priest doing the right thing. And so, it was, you know, it was a lovely episode. Yeah, I actually quite like uh, Mickey's Christmas Carol from 1983. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which uh, which was one of the records that I had that I used to go to sleep listening to. And, um, you know, that uh, that tends to make one sentimental about things. Yeah. But it's, it's also a very entertaining telling of Christmas Carol, and yeah. uh, it has some good uh, shorts that lead into it, including a terrific one where... Uh, Donald and uh, Huey, Dewey, and Louie are having a snowball fight that I think has some great gags in it that I really enjoy. Speaking of, of Christmas carols and, and one-man versions of Christmas carols, um, <laughs> Pat, Patrick Stewart, who is no Rich Little, I should say, 
Um, <laughs> that would have made for an interesting Next Generation episode, though. You haven't lived until you've heard Patrick Stewart's Ronald Reagan impression, though. Man, woo! Oh, uncanny. <laughs> um, no, he, he did this as a stage production for a couple of years, and then they did an audiobook version of it. And it's it's Patrick Stewart just doing the entire text of A Christmas Carol. It's fantastic. And then they they TNT signed him to do a, a movie version of it. And I thought, oh, that'd be great. And they just did a traditional movie. And it's, you know, it's fine. He's good. But it's boring. Um, but if you can find the audio version, it's fantastic. I mean, it's Patrick Stewart doing every role. And it's I've I've never liked the original Christmas Carol. That's the first one I ever liked. I'll mention too. Um, uh, I looked uh, according to the internet. The Trouble with Triples was aired a couple uh, days after Christmas. It was considered the holiday gift to the TV <laughs> viewing public by the producers of Star Trek. Okay, why not? Uh, and I wanted to mention the Year Without a Santa Claus, which is the Rankin Bass uh, animated special featuring the Heat Miser and the Heat Miser, Cold Miser. And I, I bring it up because I remembered that. Years after I watched it, I could remember the song like okay. decades after before there was an internet and before that became a retro thing and they started to show it again. It stuck in my mind. Now I watched it again and it's not very good. So I'm glad I didn't have to put it in the <laughs> vault. But boy, was it memorable. It was really memorable. Come on, man. He's Mr. Heat Blister. He's Mr. Sun. He's Mr. Green Christmas. We wouldn't want anything bad in the precious holiday vault. No, we wouldn't want something bad in the holiday vault. That would be terrible. Uh, you know what? I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to uh, the SNL episode that had. There are actually quite a few SNL episodes I could have mentioned because there have been some good, uh, some good Christmas Ooh. bits in some of those. Same uh, with the SCTV like, too. One yes. that I wanted to mention was the uh, the bit where they see how the ending of uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" uh, played out post the actual ending of It's a Wonderful Life, in which all of the people who are gathered at George Bailey's house uh, then go down to the bank and beat the snot out of Mr. Potter, <laughs> <laughs> tip him out of his wheelchair and start kicking away. And it's, it's a great bit. It's well done. It's all in black and white. Uh, I think uh, Phil Hartman ends up being Mr. Potter in that. Yeah, and, and Dana Carvey is Jimmy Stewart. And... Yeah, yep. he does very good Jimmy Stewart in that. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very entertaining. Your mention of Phil Hartman reminds me that News Radio had a really good Christmas episode. That's all. <laughs> I was, I was going to bring up News Radio because I feel like WKRP, that's one of those shows that was yeah. uh, brilliant and is not as as uh, thought of, as remembered as it should be. And they did do a great Christmas episode. All right, that brings us to the end. The Holiday Vault is full. <laughs> Surely there can be no more room in the Holiday Vault. Surely not. There can't be anything we could possibly induct into nope. the Holiday Vault next year. Nope. It's out of room. Well, it's it, certainly not a filmed entertainment. If we have to put uh, other things in the vault, they'll need to be smaller and fit in the little like crevices of the corner of the vault. Yeah. All right. Well, that wraps this up. And I want to thank my guests for taking uh, the time to, uh, especially, especially Steve, who really put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> oh, you're so welcome, Jason. Happy, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, and uh, I guess... Uh, happy Life Day. And a happy Life Day to you. Monty Ashley, thanks for being on. I repent all my ways. Good. Finally. All of them. <laughs> you want me to run on down to the market and get you a turkey? Yeah, uh, the one as okay. big as you. <laughs> sure. And I'm just going to throw it away in front of you. <laughs> and David Lore, thanks for being sure. here. Sure. I'm uh, I'm going to go do a duet with David Bowie now. Very nice. You sure you don't want to uh, instead 
uh, sing songs from uh, Skinflint. Yeah, David Bowie. Yeah, you're pretty sure. Yeah, okay. David Bowie will will punch you in the throat right. if you do. Yeah, as well he should. Don't do that. All right, so that's it. Happy holidays to everybody out there from all of us here at the Incomparable, and we'll see you next time. God bless us, everyone, (laughs) even Steve. (laughs)